0: Legendary, but approachable, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast! The podcast that licks its pencil point before ciphering. When he was born, he was so ugly the doctor slapped his mother. It's Medicare expert Doug Jones. well hello everybody welcome to another exciting episode of the medicare for the lazy man podcast now my canadian nephew drew mcmillan may have told you who i am but just in case he didn't just in case he forgot to do that part of his important job i will tell you that i am doug jones your medicare expert for today and perhaps for the rest of the week the uh, whole point of our meeting here is to help you and anybody else who is in attendance uh, feel confident that their impending encounter with Medicare is going to work out to their advantage. And that can happen with just a few precautions, just a little bit of friendly advice, uh, some uh, easily acquired knowledge. And uh, you put all those three things together in a bowl, stir them up, and you're going to have one successful Medicare encounter. What's the purpose of Medicare? That's to protect you from outrageously expensive medical expenses if you get sick or if you uh, have an accident, an injury, or uh, some unfortunate encounter with uh, uh, just uh, you know doctors, hospitals, and lab attendants, and so forth. So the way I offer my advice to people is to suggest that they go to amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com and purchase a copy of my book. Right now, the current edition is Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. And when you purchase that book and when you spend a little bit of time reading it, certainly less than two hours, maybe an hour and a half, maybe less, then you're going to have acquired the knowledge that you need to encounter and to overcome Medicare. Uh, You'll be able to avoid the late enrollment lifetime penalties. You'll be able to avoid the possibility of having inferior coverage that will not protect you from the uh, the, or that will not offer you the opportunity to have the kind of treatment that you should have uh, as an American. And so uh, it's basically it's a matter of having enough knowledge to get through the encounter successfully without having so much knowledge that your head explodes. So once again, go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you go to amazon.com, you're going to find four different versions of my book, the audible book that you can listen to the Kindle ebook that you can download instantly and read on your device, your reading device. You you can have the um, paperback book, which is, the workhorse of the whole array, and you, of course, if you're uh, in um, the mood to give one of your friends or loved ones a gift, a meaningful gift that's going to last them forever, you can purchase the hardcover version for $22 at amazon.com. Medicare for the lazy man in the hardcover version with colored addition or or, uh, illustrations is uh, one magnificent gift. And whoever you give it to is going to remember you fondly for the rest of your days. So uh, buy the book, read the book, and then if you need some additional advice and help, I will be happy to act as your insurance agent wherever you live in the United States so that I can help you get the finest Medicare supplement coverage uh, available on the marketplace and you'll be able to uh, live your life free of worry. That's my goal for you. And speaking of worry, uh, I've got a guy sitting across the screen from me who is always worried about doing the best job for the listeners that he possibly can. His name is Randy Carson, and I'm going to say hello to him now. Hello, Randy. How are you today? Doug,
1: how are you? You're looking bright-eyed and bushy-tailed.
0: Yeah, you know, I may have uh, indulged a little bit yesterday, uh, which is uh, lubricating my brain is always a good thing, I think.
1: I feel like a million bucks. You see this green shirt? Yeah, you you're dressed like
0: a, a hundred bucks, so you yeah, I feel a like good a friend man. of
1: mine back in Omaha. You say, yeah, I feel like a million bucks, all green and wrinkled.
0: Oh, there you go. Well, is that the shirt? Is uh, that uh, serves that purpose for you then, huh?
1: Yes, yes. Speaking of speaking of you, you said you just said something that reminded me of a topic that we discussed in an earlier podcast episode that we promised the audience to bring back up.
0: Uh oh. And we failed to do that. What was that? No, I,
1: I'm I'm raring to go and okay. voted for bear. All right. squirrel cage jail.
0: We did talk about that. You were going to do some research.
1: Yes. Well, I've done that. All right. And for just to give people on the podcast a little bit of a leg up here in terms of what we're talking about. There is a jail. In Council Bluffs, Iowa, actually, and that might be the only one left, and I, at the time that Doug and I were discussing it, I didn't know whether that might have been the only one ever built, but it turns out it wasn't. Uh, Anyway, the Squirrel Cage Jail, I need you to picture a coffee can, and so it's tall and cylindrical, and I, and it runs on a, pivot at the bottom okay so then 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 i need you to picture that coffee can is is basically just a circular series of jail bars you know cell bars yeah and then ultimately when when the your thing comes around to the door it's your your door there's no door on your cells okay it's It's, a a rectangular hole i imagine yeah the only reason that you can't get out is because you're up against the wall the walls are you know up against there so anyway long story short is just well i just had to look it up because it's such an interesting concept so let me read you just a little tiny bit of history about the squirrel cage jail and it's in council bless iowa and here was the reason they built it, and the company that designed it and invented it had this to say about it as to why every city in the United States should have one. It, was, it is an ingenious idea of unprecedented efficiency, an entire jail full of prisoners, all controlled by just one jailer. Instead of going to the cells, the jailer could bring the cells and the prisoners to him simply by turning a crank and the level of security was unprecedented until the rotating cage of the pie-shaped cell was aligned perfectly with the one opening in the outside bars there was no way out. The patent for the rotating jail that promised maximum security with minimum jailer attention was issued to the Indianapolis firm of William Brown and Benjamin Huff in 1881. Well, going on to say it sounded like a great idea and I, you know, if you were to look at it, you know, at the base of it, it looks like a great idea, but it had a few problems. Do you remember what I told you the problems were, Doug? Well,
0: I don't remember now, but I I'm, my imagination is running wild, so lay it on me.
1: Well, when because there was only one one way out, one door, the, it was a huge fire hazard because oh, if, yeah. if your door wasn't up to the if your pie shaped cell wasn't up to the door, right. you ain't gonna get anywhere because obviously if the jail's on fire, the guy down there turning the crank if he's not there, he, he's turning gonna the be crank, he's
0: gonna be skedaddling out of there to save his own hide.
1: You're you're roasting. In the squirrel cage jail there's that part of it and then ultimately they al- they also found out that there was danger uh, accompanying it because people would get maybe halfway out the little slot yep and the jailer didn't stop the jail turning quick enough and you would pinch their legs off and oh it was yeah. a mess well that anyway. seems
0: like it'd be a dangerous uh how many so, stories tall was it was it one well, story
1: uh, I remembered it as being two stories, and I think the one in Council Bluffs is two stories. Okay. Um, Now, I also envision, oh, my God, they could have this thing as tall as you wanted, but it would be a little bit tough to turn if they were, you know, advertising this as something that could be controlled and run by one jailer. Yep. You'd have to have one big jailer with one big crank to turn the whole jail, uh, you know, two stories, three stories. we don't you know we only need one jailer but he needs to be a gorilla
0: yeah and not afraid of fire because he's got to save those prisoners if the place catches on fire
1: that's right so anyway that was my little story about the squirrel cage jail and i thought i would follow up on it because we promised in a previous episode to give all the listeners the inside skinny on something that's a really unique situation uh sounded like a great idea back in 1885 not so much now
0: Well, there is a whole thing about reducing the amount of labor it took to do a certain job. And back in the 1800s, even though we think of that labor as being real cheap, um, it was still a factor in in the cost of a, a good or a service. And one of the big things that they did in the 20th century to reduce labor costs was to invent the diesel electric locomotive by which they could pull a freight train you know, a major mountain range with a bunch of different engines on it without having any other than the one crew in the head locomotive. That was a big deal, and that the unions, the railroad unions fought that. They had to have a crew in every engine, and the steam engines required a crew in every engine when they needed more than one engine to get a train over, like the uh, the mountains in Pennsylvania. And uh, so this was a huge advance in railroading when they were able to have uh, le- diesel electric locomotives and control all the engines from one location with one cr- two man crew.
1: Well, I've got one more little short tidbit, kind of a teaser. You know, th- all right. I'm be- I'm beginning to sound like Randy the historian.
0: Well, you're sounding like Randy the diarrhea of the mouth guy. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's hear your last tidbit before we launch right, in the I'm
1: just going to give you a teaser. We have a, a a situation back in Omaha, Nebraska, where I'm from, uh, Union Pacific Railroad, very historic, storied railroad. Well, they have it they have a steam engine that still to this day is the largest steam engine ever built. Oh yeah! Recently, they have I don't know how recently, but within the last few years, they restored it to its original condition.
0: It, it came through called- Illinois on tour. It came through Illinois yeah. on tour.
1: And it's called the Union Pacific Big Boy. Yeah. And it's and it's locomotive number 4042.
0: It's articulated as I recall.
1: Yeah. So- and I the thing I wanted to tell you about it is if you like railroads, which I do, mm-hmm. uh, the thing that I found interesting was that the YouTube video I chanced across last night was the big boy had to be called out of Omaha to come up. There was a train, a long train for some reason, couldn't make it around a corner. Uh And they were and they were spinning out and they were they were were hopelessly not stuck, but they couldn't make any progress. Right. And this was in Blair, Nebraska, which is about Nebraska is about as flat as flat gets. So I don't know what they were, what their problem was, but they fired up the big boy and they brought him in out of Omaha, Nebraska, and they pushed that freaking train uh, from the back around whatever corner they couldn't make it. And it was just like a walk in the park for him, man.
0: Sure, absolutely. Well, that (laughs) thing came through on display in Illinois. I think it toured many states um, probably five years ago or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was big news because a lot of people have never seen a a steam locomotive in operation. But it's a major, major deal. Uh, You need people to feed fuel to it. You need people to harness the steam and make the steam Uh, perform the way you want it to and you need to lubricate that son of a thing, bitch uh you know constantly every time you stop and you had to stop all the time to take on more water to make more steam
1: yeah uh, i the thing that continually runs across my mind doug about things like that there's other situations like that too but where do you find the guy the last guy from union pacific that knows how to make this thing happen
0: I think what you do is you find a bunch of younger guys who are interested enough to learn how to do it. And uh, I know that all railroad lore is not written down. There aren't manuals for everything because I used to ride the rails when I was a kid, not as a hobo, but as a uh, grandchild of my very very successful grandparents. So we always rode first class railroad trains like the Santa Fe Super Chief and the food was fantastic so I got a, a wild hair a few years ago. And I said, "I wonder if it's possible that those recipes are still available." In other words, um, I had the best oatmeal I've ever had in my life. Every kid ate oatmeal in the fifties, you know, and that's that was I was no exception. But oatmeal would have different, um, uh, different, uh, you know, some was better than others, and uh, where it was cooked and who provided the oats and all that stuff. Well. Uh, The oatmeal served on uh, Pullman cars, Pullman dining cars, was par excellence. It was fantastic. You cannot find that recipe because all that stuff was passed along by word of mouth from one generation of chefs to the next. And they didn't write things down because they didn't want their competing railroads to be able to pluck the best of their uh, cooking and, and, and adopt it as their own. So, all these railroads had a different kind of flavor, a different kind of level of service, and they were always striving to be the best. And that's why when the government said, we're going to take over passenger railroading in the late 60s, they all gave up and said, yes, take our trains because they're too damned expensive. We don't make any money on them.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love all of those stories. So, anyway, you know what we should be
0: doing? Yes, we should be. We should be. So, let's do that, shall we? All right. I'm going to talk about The inspiration that I received from the content curator today, every uh, day that we're going to do a recording, uh, the content curator gets up early in the morning, scampers out of the bedroom. I'm still snoring. I'll get up an hour or two later. And today, the first thing she hit me with was, guess what I discovered? It's an article that you're going to love. I think your listeners are going to love this. It's like the 10 best Medicare supplement providers of 2024. And I said, oh boy, that sounds too good to be true and uh, so I uh, I said send that to me and I printed it up and I thought okay I got to tear into this a little bit and then I discovered a little flaw. So what we have here is an article uh, from a- an outfit called bestratedguide.com and the best rated guide has the five, what they say is a five or 10, I guess it's 10 best Medicare supplement providers of 2024. So the very first best Medicare supplement provider is an outfit that isn't even an insurance company. So they don't provide anything other than uh, the service of a commissioned insurance agent, which is exactly what I am. So that is their best rated and that gets their awards as best rated award for this particular outfit. And number two is Humana, which is an insurance company that I offer to my clients. Number three is Cigna, an insurance company that I offer to my clients. Number four is Aetna, uh, which is the one I offer to my clients. And then there's something called ARP, which I do not offer to my clients because ARP and I uh, have um, some disputes, some political disputes about uh, how the United States should be uh, running uh, its economy and how it should be uh, pursuing its uh, freedom and prosperity, ARP doesn't agree with me that freedom and pos- prosperity are necessarily good things. Then they have a thing called Go Health and a thing called Go Medigap, uh, which also are in their top ten of Medicare supplement advisors, and it's um, incredible because some of these things are insurance companies and some of these things are. Insurance agents, and I don't know how they can mix them up like this. Well, I happen to notice a little blurb at the very top right corner of the landing page of the website for the BestRatedGuide.com, and this little blurb is a paragraph. When you click on it, you have to click on a link. It's very subtle. It's uh, in uh, in white ink on a blue sky with a white cloud. I don't know. It was uh, not easy to spot. And the um, when you click on it, here is their advertising, um, re, advertising uh, disclaimer is what they call it. So I'm thinking disclaimer. Why should they have to disclaim anything? It says, this site is a free online resource that strives to offer helpful content and comparison features to our visitors. We accept advertising compensation from companies, and there's nothing wrong with that. Free enterprise is uh, the American way, and I'm all for that. But it says, we accept advertising compensation from companies that appear on this site. And that compensation impacts the location and the order in which these brands appear. And it also impacts the score that we assign to it. So I think what we're learning here is that this this, uh, website uh, is uh, the kind of place where if you've got... A, a product or service, and you want them to rate you, and they, you want them to rate you highly. All you have to do is offer them advertising compensation. So I'm pretty disgusted by this thing that touted itself to searchers on, like Google or internet searchers, as the best Medicare supplement providers of 2024. I find that to be a big fat lie. In some cases, some of their some of their material is uh, suspect, and that puts all of it in the shadow of suspicion as far as I'm concerned. So I'm not going to spend any more time on that. But what I'm going to do, I uh, was shown another article, similar flavor. It popped up on my screen, and it is from uh, the uh, uh, Forbes organization. And the title of this is Five Best Medicare Supplement Providers for 2024. Sounds very much like the other one. And in fact, it had a... Uh, an advertising disclaimer in the upper right-hand corner of the landing page too. It was much longer and it didn't admit to being prostitutes like the other organization was. So it was either they had a better lawyer write it or uh, maybe their, their uh, presentation of the research uh, results is more honest. I don't know. I I don't know that for sure, but I know that on this particular website, entitled again the five best medicare supplement providers of 2024 i believe that some of the um, information was more honestly presented and i'm just going to whip through it till we get to the faq section because that i thought would tell the tale so uh going through their their five best medicare supplement providers number one was mutual of omaha now that's a company that i offer to my clients Uh, number two is Humana. I offer that to my clients. Number three, they have ARP again. ARP is not an insurance company. ARP sells, they, they, uh, peddle insurance from an insurance company that they happen to be in bed with. And that insurance company is United healthcare. I don't deal with either of these two organizations because frankly, I like free enterprise and they don't, uh, seem to promote freedom or a free enterprise, at least ARP does not. Uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Well, the interesting thing is there are something like 54 Blue Cross Blue Shield organizations around the country. They are all separate companies, except for the fact that they all belong to the same um, organization. So it's the Blue Cross Blue Shield um, uh, group of companies. But in different states, they operate differently. They set their own rates. So you can't say, like this uh, Forbes report did, you cannot say that Blue Cross Blue Shield is a good company. You can't say that they have the best rates or the best service or anything else because Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois is different than Blue Cross Blue Shield of Indiana, which is different from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Ohio, which is different than Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. They're mostly separate companies and they perform differently. They have their own individual characteristics, which may be good or may not be. Uh, the next one they have in their list is Cigna. Now, that's a company that I offer to my uh, to my uh, clients. The next one they have is State Farm, which apparently has six types of Medicare supplement plans. Someday I'm going to look and see if State Farm offers Medicare supplement uh, plan that we like very much here at Medicare for the Labor uh, Lazy Men. That would be the high-value or uh, otherwise known as the high-deductible Medicare Supplement plan. That is the best Medicare Supplement plan for almost all people. And then on their list, uh, featured partner offer, MedicareSupplement.com. I don't know anything about MedicareSupplement.com except that I'm pretty sure it's not an insurance company, and I'm pretty darn sure that it is here because they offer advertising revenue to the Forbes organization. Otherwise, I don't think it would appear on this list. So we have a question and answer section, an FAQ section. And so I thought perhaps I could compare my experience and knowledge with the answers that they provide in their FAQ section. Let's see here. We have all kinds of uh, stuff. This is a, a website that is really replete with many, many um, items of information about Medicare and stuff like that. But here's the FAQ section, frequently asked questions. First question is, what is the best Medicare supplement plan? And the answer is the best Medicare supplement plan for you ultimately depends on your specific health care needs, lifestyle, and budget. With that said, Plan G is quickly becoming the most popular Medicare supplement plan type for new Medicare enrollees. With the exception of Plan F, which is no longer available to all beneficiaries, Plan G covers the most Medicare costs of any Medigap plan type. Those enrolled in Plan G are only responsible for paying their annual Medicare Part B deductible, which is $240 this year. After that point, the plan provides 100% coverage on all Medicare-covered medical expenses. Uh, On the other hand, it's a little on the pricey side. They don't mention that that is one drawback to Plan G. It provides excellent coverage, but it is very, very pricey. And the cost of Plan G in many states is going to scare people away from Medicare supplement. And I don't think that's a um, productive occurrence. And so I have a plan that I have chosen as really the best Medicare supplement plan for almost everyone, and that is the high deductible or high value plan G. Uh, So the next Medicare question, the next FAQ, what is the most popular Medicare supplement plan? And it says Medicare plans F, G, and plan N are the most popular types of Medicare supplement plans. Medicare supplement plan F is the most comprehensive, but it is not available to everybody anymore. Uh, It's only available to people who are um, eligible for Medicare in 2020, uh, or prior to 2020. Let's see. um, Supplement Plan G leaves beneficiaries responsible only for the annual Medicare Part B deductible, which is $240 this year, uh, after which the plan provides 100% coverage. And finally, Medicare Supplement Plan N. Is considered a pay-as-you-go type of plan that tends to be most affordable for beneficiaries who don't require Medicare regularly, uh, medical care regularly, but are interested in emergency coverage. Well, they don't even mention what I think is the best plan, the high-deductible, high-value plan, which is so attractively priced in most cases that it's pretty hard to turn it down. Uh, The next FAQ is Plan F, the Best Medicare Supplement. So the answer to that is Plan F is considered one of the best Medicare types due to its comprehensive nature. However, only those who were eligible for Medicare before January 1st of 2020 can still sign up for Plan F. They don't mention here that the actuaries of the various insurance companies that have always offered Plan F have been jacking the rates up sky high. Plan F is full of people who were uh, eligible for Medicare before 2020 and who are now finding their premiums being increased drastically. Those people, if they're still healthy, relatively healthy, they don't even have to be 100% healthy, uh, they should consider getting out from Plan F before it explodes around them. It's uh, And that's the kind of thing I help people do. I've helped people get away from Plan F and reduce their monthly outlay considerably because Plan F rates are going through the roof. The next FAQ, who regulates Medicare Supplement Plans? All Medigap or Medicare Supplement Plans must follow both federal and state laws, uh, regulations in terms of how they're labeled and what coverage they can provide. Most states have a government department of insurance or a similar entity that helps ensure that all private insurance providers offering the plans of a certain letter and type are meeting the standards set by medicare and marketing plans accurately uh... is it better to have a medicare supplement or medicare advantage this is interesting let's see what it's uh... answer is whether a person purchases um, yeah, Randy's uh, editorializing. Fortunately, I've got his mic completely turned off, and we can't hear the invective that he's uh, spewing. But whether a person purchases a Medicare Advantage or a Medicare a Medigap or a Medicare supplement plan uh, depends upon their specific health care needs. I don't think that's true. I think it depends on which advertising they got to see. And if they were exposed to Medicare Advantage advertising, there's a certain percentage of people that say, sign me up, and I just want to be done with it. Medicare Advantage plans serve as a substitute for original Medicare, providing the same coverage plus additional benefits like prescription drug coverage. Okay, let's tell the truth here. They take away, if you have a Medicare Advantage plan, they will take away your original Medicare Parts A and B and substitute the Medicare Advantage plan for Medicare. And then we will say they don't provide the same coverage they provide actuarially equivalent coverage so if you can be expected based on your age and your sex and your location to have medical bills of a certain level um, in uh, the medicare plan then uh, a medicare advantage plan can come along and actuarially provide the same protection but they may not have the same types of benefits and as we found in recent articles, Medicare Advantage plans tend to um, cause a lot of angst for their insured people because they will not often approve uh, treatment for uh, by um, specialists. And uh, they have a difficult time sending people to rehab centers after surgery. Uh, there are a lot of things about Medicare Advantage plans that make their people unhappy. And uh, it's not all of them. Many people are just fine with their Medicare Advantage plans, and that's because they haven't needed to use them. But uh, I would guess that at least 25% of the Medicare Advantage participants uh, will run up against something that's going to cause them anger and unhappiness at some point in the future. Uh, These extra things that theoretically the Medicare Advantage um, plans include are not always um, the kinds of... um, free-flowing benefits that people like. For instance, when a plan says they have uh, dental insurance, it may be a dental discount plan. It may be that they have a very small network of dentists, and if you don't go to those dentists, you don't get any dental benefit at all. They say that they have prescription drug coverage, but if your drug isn't in that plan's formulary, then you're stuck with whatever crappy drug coverage they're going to offer you. So you don't have the opportunity to change as people would if they were in regular uh, Medicare, original Medicare. Another question When can I change my Medicare supplement plan? Technically, you can change which Medicare supplement plan you're enrolled in at any time after your six month open enrollment period closes. That means typically your 60th, 65th birthday. Uh, you get a, a three month before your birthday, three months after your birthday, and your birth month. That makes seven months. And I don't know why they said six months here, uh, but your six-month open enrollment period or your six-month guarantee issue period uh, extends beyond your Medicare Part B date. Uh, so that's a little esoteric uh, information for people that like details. But your open enrollment period is the seven months that surround your 65th birthday. Uh, however, unless the rate on your current plan is increasing and you want to shop for a lower rate, there's generally uh, very few reasons to switch Medigap plans. You also are not guaranteed that your application for a new plan will be accepted if you're outside your guaranteed issue period. When does Medicare Supplement Open Enrollment take place? Medigap Open Enrollment is a six-month period that begins when an individual enrolls in Medicare Part B and is at least 65 years old. Some states may offer additional enrollment periods. After the enrollment period ends, you may not be able to buy a Medigap plan, or you may purchase it for an increased price. I've never seen that happen. It's always yes or no. You can either buy it or you don't qualify because you're not healthy. And the last FAQ, how long does Medicare supplement open enrollment last? The initial open enrollment period for Medicare supplement coverage lasts at least six months, beginning the month you're both at least 65 years old and enrolled in Medicare Part B coverage. You can try to enroll in a Medigap plan outside this open enrollment period as well. Uh, It's really a guaranteed issue period. It's not an open enrollment period. But you may be denied coverage or subject to medical underwriting, potentially leading to higher monthly premiums, which I've never seen, for the same benefits. So anyway, this Forbes article is more Uh, full of detail and maybe some helpful information than the original best comparison or best product comparison website was. But the ultimate takeaway from this is um, watch out for these online. This is the best of Medicare type of article because you're, they're going to be heavily influenced by the advertising dollars that these companies pay them. And I think it's incredibly, um, Uh, disingenuous for them to say that these companies are the best when the fine print is difficult to find where they say that uh, they're influenced by the money they get from these companies. So that's my little uh, diatribe for today, Randy.
1: That's your story and you are sticking to it. That's
0: right. That is right.
1: Uh, every time, every time the, the the phrase Medicare Advantage rolls off your Ooh, lips, uh, it it it's like a shock.
0: I have, have know, to apologize. I, I don't even want to say it.
1: But I mean, I, I I literally, oh my god, what was that he just said? Anyway, long story short is we are out of time because Doug has not officially approved an mm. increase in time. We're there
0: so- are a lot of people who are mad at me about that, but I say. <laughs> I say that, uh, you know, it's good to be, um, it's it's good to be, what am I trying to say? It's good to be thrifty.
1: Thrifty. Yeah, we have another term for that, but okay, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So anyway, we are going to sign off, land the plane, and I think we're coming in on 23, eh, th- I think it's 23 right today, isn't it? I have
0: no idea. This yeah. is all well, inside anyway. inside your head. I can't see in there. Yeah, I, know.
1: I have I have a wonderful life inside my head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we are going to do it to it. But before we do, grab your pencil, sharpen it up, lick the end of it, whatever you got to do to write down this email address because this is how you get out and contact Doug. You can reach him at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. Don't forget, Doug is licensed nationwide to help you with your Medicare supplement planning. Check us out at the website, medicareforthelazyman.com. We would also appreciate it if you could find it in your heart to drop a couple reviews for us. It's early in the year, but the numbers are still very important to us. Do something for the book, do something for the website, do something for the podcast, any of the content that we produce. It will certainly make us happy and the numbers happy. Last but certainly not least, thank you for joining us. You could have been a number of different places. You weren't, you were with us, which is exactly where we'd like to have you with Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. And if you haven't been checking your watch you have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy, originally from Oklahoma. No more. He is now camped out in his fortress of solitude up in the high ground behind Cave Creek, Arizona. And I'm going to be easy with him today because I know he was out partying yesterday. Oh, uh, boy. So yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to put him in at 6,300 feet.
0: Well, Randy bought me some beers yesterday. He was very generous, and I thoroughly appreciated his generosity. So thank you so much, Randy, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We'll look forward to seeing your smiling faces at our next episode. Bye-bye.